Well, there was a statue of Jesus in a Catholic church. But then there was a war, and the statue got bombed and uh, damaged. But after the war, they put all the pieces back together, but they could not find the hands of Jesus. So what to do? They wrote an inscription along the bottom of the statue, which said, you are the hands of Jesus. We are his hands. For many people, we're the only Jesus they will ever see. They're the only hands of Jesus they will ever experience. And I want to share this morning about you and I linking up with the resources of heaven and, uh, and uh, the power of heaven. And I believe it's very simple. It's not rocket science. Any one of us here can do this. If you've got a pen and a paper, iPad, iPhone, write this down. It's three simple words to connect with heaven and its resources. Live to give. Let's say it together. Live to give. Okay, we spend our lives living to give. We give of ourselves, we give of our talents, we give of our time, our resources, our, our, our love, our finances, whatever it might be. The Bible has two great commandments. And what are they? The first one is love God. The second one is love. Oh, you don't know. I need to preach on that. Wow. Okay, I better write that down. Make a note somewhere. Love God. And the other one that you don't know about is love your neighbor. All right? As yourself. And because these two are the heart of God, it's what means most to Him. When you engage in loving God and loving your neighbor, heaven says, okay, I'm going to come alongside this person. I'm going to empower them. I'm going to anoint them. I'm going to move through them. I'm going to, I'm going to work miracles in and through the lives because they're doing what is my heartbeat. They're doing what I came for, what Jesus came for in giving His life for others. Remember, I shared with you about John D. Rockefeller and how he was the first billionaire, all right? But by the age of 53, he's in serious trouble. He's lost all his hair. His body's wrecked with pain. He can only digest milk and crackers. He can buy anything he wants in the world, but he can't eat. The doctor said by your age 53, within a year, you will be dead. He has this dream, wakes up one morning, vaguely remembers the dream was something about not being able to take his successes into the next world. So he makes a change in his lifestyle, and he begins, he decides then to channel his resources, his wealth, in hospitals, research, and mission work. It leads to the discovery of penicillin, cures for malaria, diphtheria, and tuberculosis. But the moment he changed his mindset from living to receive and living for himself, living to give, it's, they say the whole chemistry of his body changed. And he began to heal. And instead of dying when he was age 54, he lived to the age of 98 because of one change in his thinking, in his mindset, that from one, that moment he was going to live to serve. He was going to live to give, to pour out into others. And friends, I'm saying to you this morning, as you would adopt that lifestyle yourself, you will connect with heaven's resources, and you will see God begin to work in your life in ways you never thought were possible. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. To love God, you've got to give to Him. Come on. To love people, you've got to give of yourself to them. There's a bit of Fiji on this right-hand side. Thank you. But this kind of lifestyle is so opposite to the world we live in. Everything screams at us, look after number one, look after yourself. It's all about me. And you say, no, I'm not like that. Well, let me test you. 
When you see a photo and you're in it, who do you look for first? Yeah, I know who you look for first. You look for yourself. And if you don't like the way you look, you destroy the photo and say, get rid of the negatives and get it out of the system. The world says every man for himself, but Jesus shocks us in Mark chapter 10 with a completely radically different lifestyle, which we find hard, really. We, we preach about it, we talk about it, but hard to live it. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who, consider, who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Tell the person next to you, I'm a servant. <laughs> All right, let's go on. And whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. Tell the person next to you, I'm your slave. Can I please polish your shoes and wash your feet at the end of the service? Do you need any money? Here, let me give you my credit card. Here's the code, here's the, the PIN number. Go and spend what you like. I'm your slave, I'm your servant. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Jesus was a giver to the point of death. He said, I will not only give to you, I will die for you. I wonder how many of us would say that. Well, we wouldn't, would we? But actually, you don't die physically, you die to self. That's what the key is. You know, some people say it's easier to be martyred than to die daily and live for others. Yeah. Thank you for that wonderful response. <laughs> Luke 4.18. We love the verse that Jesus declared about himself. He's anointed me. What for? Preach the good news to the poor. Proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. Jesus spent his life giving out to others, pouring into others, setting captives free, you know, uh, helping the oppressed, you know, healing the sick, and uh, pouring himself into those who are less fortunate and those who are struggling with life. God so loved the world that he gave. So that's the key to loving is giving. You give. Now, I'm not saying you get so caught up in helping everyone else that you forget about your own family, yourself, and your own responsibility. You've got to do both in tandem, okay? But it's important that we live to give. The words serve and service are found 1,416 times in the Bible. And the word give is found 816 times in the Bible. Put those together, that's 2,232 times you find the words giving and serving. This book, this Bible, Christianity is all about giving and it's all about serving. And as we do those things, friends, we connect our lives with the resources of heaven. This is the nature of God. And how do we, how do we give? How do we serve? Well, we give by a smile. You don't know how desperate some people are for a smile. With a warm handshake, a prayer, a phone call, hospitality, a helping hand. You use your gifts to serve God. That's all ways in which we live to give. You say a, a kind word. You say a thank you to someone who's been good to you and helped you out. It's amazing how much impact a, a small act can have on a person. You know, you might just touch someone on a shoulder. I did that once, and I, I got feedback later on. The person said they lived on that for two weeks. Yeah. You just don't know how much, you know, loving and serving, giving the impact it has and how much it helps people to move forward. P. 
People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we need to let people know that we care. And there's a difference between loving to speak and loving the people you speak to. It's huge, isn't it? It's huge. A lot of people love to speak, but they don't really love the people they speak to. And God's changing the atmosphere of Church Unlimited, I believe, right now. And He's creating a, a soil in this church upon which He can unload the favor and the blessing of heaven. And I think a part of that is the whole area of loving God, loving people, serving, humility, all of these vital ingredients. I think God has no problem in blessing an individual or a church, but often we can't handle it. And you know, as God's moved by a spirit in our nation over the years gone by, some of the issues that have arisen is pride has got in the way and God's turned off the tap. And so now he's looking for churches across the nation and this is one of them. And he says, look, I want to pour my blessing into you, but you, I, I need to change the culture a bit. I need to uh, adjust the soil of the church. It's got these vital and godly ingredients where when God pours out and God blesses, uh, we're not going to say, hey, look at us and look what we're not doing, what we're doing. We're not going to boast. We're not going to stop loving and serving one another, but we're going to continue to partner together. You see, the greatest say, you know, according to Jesus, servants are the greatest in the kingdom. The greatest say, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? The least say, what can you do for me? How can you serve me? And there's just a world of difference between those two things. Come with me to 2 Kings in chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 2. It says there, So Elisha said to her, this is a widow woman, What shall I do for you? The NIV says, How can I help you? This is really quite an amazing story. This is, you know, the great Elisha. He was also a servant. 2 Kings 3.11, it says, Elisha is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. You know, you, you think this, this great man of God, Elijah, Elisha, you know, why would he be interested in a poor widow woman? I mean, if you're trying to climb the spiritual ladder of success, you don't, you know, you, you, don't, you find a, a king to help or a, or a, or a, a leader or a, one of the nobles or one of the commanders or, you know, one of the, one of the um, presidents of one of the areas or whatever it might be. You find someone of significance to help. But Elisha says, no, 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 to this widow woman who probably never seen before, knew nothing, but what can I do to help? And I want to say this, friends, that when that is in our hearts, when we have a servant heart, we don't choose who we serve. We serve whoever God brings across our path and because it's in our hearts to be helpful. And so he goes ahead and he, he serves this person, but you'd think, to, you'd think to yourself, you'd ask the question, well, Elisha, good on you, buddy, but... What real impact will it have on the advance of God's kingdom helping one poor widow woman whom you'll probably never see again? But what we need to understand, friends, is that with God, helping one person is unbelievably important to Him because He died for the one. They say Jesus would have still come on the cross, given His life if you were the only person on the planet. So the one means everything to God. So when you help one poor person, one widow woman or whoever it might be, heaven is looking on. It's not so concerned about you helping hundreds. It's concerned about helping you one. God focuses on the one. 
And so there's this man walking along a Mexican beach and he sees another man picking up this starfish and throwing them into the water because they've been washed up on the beach, picking them up one by one. So he goes up to the man and says, what are you doing? And the man says, well, if I don't throw these starfish back in the sea, they're going to die for lack of oxygen. The man says to him, hey, but don't you know that there are thousands of starfish? You'll never get to them all. And also, this is happening on hundreds of beaches around the world. You, you can't possibly make a difference. So the man smiled, picked up a starfish, threw it back in the water, looked at the man, and he said, made a difference to that one. The starfish lived. One. You see, friends, every one person is so incredibly important to God. And as you give and as you serve in the community, in Church Unlimited, please don't focus on how big your serving is. Don't focus on, well, I'm not really changing the world. No, no, but you made a difference to that one. You changed that one person's life. That person you visited last week because they were in need of love and care, Friends, you made a difference in their life, and heaven took notes. That family you supported through the greatest crisis in their lives, and you took them food, and you gave them transport, and you ministered to them, friends, heaven looked down and took notes. You see, friends, speaking behind a pulpit, that's the easy part. Anyone, hey, anyway, we're all happy to do that bit, and, it's, but, but, and, and God notices that, and I think he credits that, but I think when he sees us people sacrificing their lives to help people in need, I think heaven really takes note. You know, one of the traps of, the, of church life is we want the big stage. You know, we look for the big opportunity, the big performance. I think God looks for the small stage. He looks for the small opportunity. You know, when he talks about faithfulness, he doesn't say, oh, you've been faithful in this big thing. No, no, he talks about being faithful in the little thing. You see, friends, it's not hard for me to faithfully turn up on Sunday and preach. I'm going to be here, and you all know I'm going to be here 100%. I'm going to be here because when it's a big opportunity, we turn up. The song leader is always going to be here because, hey, everyone's going to see it. It's a big stage. But what about the usher? See, it takes more faithfulness to turn up week by week as an usher than as a preacher. It takes more faithfulness week by week to serve in the crash or the children's church or on the sound desk or whatever it might be than to preach or to song lead or do something that is a public line. That's why God looks at the small things. And when we are faithful in small things, I think the reward God gives is enormous because it's much harder to serve in something small than to serve in something big like a pulpit. Is anybody with me this morning? You've gone so quiet. Fiji has left me. Fiji, come back to me. In partnering with Church Unlimited, there are so many of you, what you're saying is, what can I do to help? And you've answered the call. And you serve in the kids' church or the food bank or life groups or youth or media, whatever it might be, and you're making a difference to one person at a time. We're becoming an outstanding partnership. It's taken a while to get there, but we are getting there. Do you know there's a man in our church who in his own time and his own expense drives me week by week to the city church and back again? And I sometimes think about that and you know, I, just, I just sometimes, it's almost overwhelming, it's too strong a word, but I'm like, why do you do that? You know, how can you be that kind? <laughs> 
Well, the answer is he's a servant. He's on our staff. It's, he's Brian Ken's. And I reckon, this is my guess, when he stands before God, his reward is going to be something special. You know, think about it. Elisha poured water on the hands of Elijah, all right? Such an insignificant event. I mean, what's the big deal with a bit of water? I can do that. And yet, it's so important to God that it's recorded in eternal scripture that thousands of years later, we're still preaching on this guy who poured a bit of water on the hands of Elisha. That's how important it is to serve the individual and to serve with humility. It's a wonderful thing. Let me share with you just four benefits of living to give. Number one is you'll experience more of the supernatural power of God. How do I say that? We read about Elisha, who asked the question, how can I help? What can I do for you? Do you know that Elisha ended up seeing twice the miracles that Elijah did? The man who served, the man who said, what can I do to help? He saw twice. I mean, Elijah saw great miracles, but Elisha saw much, much more. When you have a heart of serving and a heart of helping genuinely, I believe you connect with heaven's resources and God's going to begin to pour his power and his supernatural in and through your life in ministry in a greater way. There was a girl who was born blind. At the age of eight, she also lost her speech. She ended up at the Ramadan Mukti Mission, which lives to give. It says, what can I do to help? One of the leaders in the mission felt God say, get up at 4 a.m. and start praying for this girl. So she obeyed. The girl soon wanted to receive Jesus, but it was very difficult for her to pray because she had lost her speech. She tried to pray the sinner's prayer, and at the end of the prayer, she just croaked in Jesus' name. And as soon as the words in Jesus' name came out of her lips, her speech was totally restored by the power of God. This mission sees the supernatural power of God. Do you want to know one reason why? They live to give. They are servants. And that connects us with heaven's power. Number two is when you live to give, God pours into you. How many of you would love God to just pour into you? Like just stand and, and God just, whoo, whoo, just pour. Wouldn't you love that? Well, listen to the scripture. Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. The generous soul will be made rich. He who waters will also be watered himself. You water others, hey, God's going to water you. It's a good deal because when God waters you, wow, you're just going to be on cloud nine for a long time. And so, hey, do the simple part. Go and minister to someone, love them, care for them, and pour into them, and then just stand back and say, okay, God, it's my turn now, and God will pour into you. You know, when I travel overseas, sometimes it's a, a grueling experience, quite, sometimes quite demanding, but always, nearly so often afterwards, God, I'll be having a prayer time, and God, the Spirit of God will come, and He just pour into me and pour into me, and, and I think, God, I've got more uh, out of it myself, then all that I gave out, I got more back. And friends, that's the way it works. When you pour out to others, God will pour into you. You know, in Israel, the water flows, I've told you this before, from the Jordan River, which is full of life. 
into the Dead Sea, but there's no life in the Dead Sea. And you think, how come the Jordan River's full of life? How come this, the Dead Sea is dead? And sometimes you ask some Christian, how come this Christian is full of life and this Christian over here is dead? They both, you know, do the same things. They go to the same church. They worship. They hear the word. One's alive, one's dead. What is the difference? And they discover this, that with the Dead Sea, you see, with the Jordan River, there's an inflow and there's an outflow to the Dead Sea, but with the Dead, to the dead Sea, but with the Dead Sea, there's only an inflow. From the Jordan River, there's coming in, there's coming in, there's coming, but there's no outflow. And because there's no outflow, nothing can live. It, it dies. There's death in the Dead Sea. And so, friends, this is how it works that you and I as Christians, yeah, let's receive. You know, we come to, to church and we, we worship and the, the band, you know, leads us. And then we sit under preaching the word and people love us and care for us and minister. And we, you know, we, we get filled and God pulls in and pulls in and we, get, we receive inflow, inflow, inflow. But friends, unless there's some outflow, we will die on the inside. And so it doesn't matter how much we're received, Christianity doesn't work for us because it only works when there's inflow and outflow. You've got to pour out if God's going to truly pour in in Jesus' name. Is there an amen in the house? So when we ask you to partner with us, we're doing you a great favor. Seriously. Because when you partner, then God can pour in to you. We need to ask the question, what can I do to help? Number three, God will take care of our needs. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Care for the needs of others. What's the scripture? Sowing and reaping. 2 Corinthians. Sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. So you help people a lot, you'll get a lot of help when you need it. If you don't help people much when you need the help, it may not be there so much. Because the principle of sowing and reaping cannot be broken. As you sow, you reap. You, pu- you meet the needs of others, God's going to meet your needs. And the last point is this. You'll have high impact for the kingdom of God. Higher impact. If you study the lives of Bible champions, starting with Jesus, they all lived to serve. They were servants. They gave. David served King Saul. Daniel served the king of his day. Joseph served in Potiphar's house. He served in prison. Wherever you put Joseph, he served. Paul, he was a great servant. 2 verse 17 in Philippians. I find being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. These great Kingdom impactors, the first and foremost servants following in the footsteps of Jesus who came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. And friends, I believe that God is wanting to put into the DNA now of Church Unlimited a greater heart of serving, that we pour into the lives of others and those around us, a greater spirit of living to give. I believe God also wants to work deeper humility into our hearts and into our lives so that we become a church that, you know, is not only large in size, but God is, it's large in spirit. And God says, yeah, I'm well pleased with this church and what is being done in this place. And so 
it's a real time of transformation and God's doing some incredible things right now in the life of church and because he's, he's getting ready to unload heaven, I believe, upon you and upon us and not only this church, other churches as well. And so when you live to give, you begin to impact your world. Now that may be your home, community, university class, your life group, children's church, youth group, whatever it might be, wherever God has placed, you begin to impact your world, your small group. And we're all called to partner with our local church where God has planted us and placed us. We encourage you to join the team because in doing that, you'll fulfill your calling and you'll help us fulfill our calling as well. We have, no, we have needs in most departments of our church. Virtually, you name it, we need help. Ushering, creche, youth, children, life groups, sound, media, on and on, our choir, on and on it goes. There are tremendous needs in this place. And as I finish and wrap up this message, I think we all need to ask the question, including me, we need to say to God, to others, even to the church, what can I do to help? How can I help you? As we partner together, the results will be exponential. And as you do what you can to help, you're going to link up with the resources of heaven. You'll experience more of the supernatural power of God. God will pour into you. Your needs will be met. And you will have greater impact and high impact in the kingdom of God. Amen? Thank you.